when do you cash out refinance versus selling? Because at this point in our journey this year, we ran out of money and we still needed to buy more for tax purposes. And so we needed to find some money. And so one of the things we did was we actually did three cash out refinances. We, you know, we purchased a 42 unit, we bought a short-term rental and now, okay, we need to free up some cash. And so we took three of our properties that we had for a few years and we had forced a lot of appreciation on these properties. We didn't know exactly how much because you don't know until you actually get the appraisal. Uh, but we went out and, and turned out that we had actually doubled the value of a lot of these properties. And that allowed us to pull out a considerable amount of money from these three properties. Uh, now, it did decrease our cash flow on those properties, but actually the cash on cash return shot up because we have so little money, if if at all, any money at all in those properties most anymore. Of most of them, we don't even have money in those properties anymore. So any money that we're making, any cash flow we're making is an infinite return because we have no money in that property. This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. We're really excited to have you joining us here today for our inaugural episode. And today we're going to be talking about our top five real estate moves in 2021 and sharing some of the things we learned about them, some of the struggles we had, and uh, and some of the some of the joy too. And with that, let's dig right in. So Kenji, tell me, how was 2021 for you? <laughs> Yeah. So 2021 was a growth year. I think that's the best way to describe it because we really built up our portfolio significantly. Uh, We added more than 80 units uh, to our portfolio. Pretty much doubled our portfolio. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was a, it was a really big year. And the real driver of that was we needed to shelter income. Right. And so we need to keep buying properties. And we'll talk about more of this a little bit later in the episode, but we need to keep buying properties in order to create enough losses to shelter our income. So uh, from that perspective, it was a it was a challenge. There was a lot uh, that uh, went into it. We went down to the wire at the end of the year on our last purchase, but we got it done. So I'm really proud of the year. I'm really excited that we had a goal and we went out and we nailed it. Yeah, I think a lot of you out there might be saying, my goodness, why are you growing so much? And Kenji already alluded to the taxes, but 
Kenji and I really see ourselves in this kind of growth phase of our real estate portfolio. So we think of it as we're not always going to be growing this quickly. We'll have phases in our portfolio where we're just sitting back maybe in 10 years, 15 years, where we're sitting back and just letting the cash flow roll in and not doing a whole lot. But right now we're still building. We're still building our base for that that growth of where we'll be in 10 or 15 years. And so that's the reason that we've really focused in the last, now it's, this is our eighth year of investing together that we continue to focus on growth. Yeah. And another big reason for that is our focus on growth. We're specifically focused on growing ourselves and by going out there and buying bigger and bigger properties, buying different types of properties. We also bought a short-term rental this year. It really helps us grow. Uh, And if uh, you've heard us before, Growth and contribution is what, what leads to fulfillment. And I can't think of anything more important than fulfillment, right? We all want to be fulfilled. Uh, and therefore, growth is a big component of that for us. And so by challenging ourselves gives us an opportunity to grow. Well, and it's also we want to pave the way for all of you to be able to see that we're still growing, that we're still pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, that we're still trying new things. And the more we learn, the more we can pass on. And the more that all of you can then just say, you know what, let's just keep pushing. Let's keep trying new things. Let's keep pushing ourselves out of the comfort zone and growing. Yeah. And for people who are in our membership site, right, all this that we're doing turns into new training, right? And we pass along everything that we've learned and we want to help you grow as well. So let's dive right in with our first purchase. And so that was a 42 unit in Lakewood, Washington. So Kenji, can you tell us a little bit about how we found that property and anything you want to share about that property? Yeah. So this is a property that is actually right down the street from our 32 unit property. For those who've been following us, you know about that property. And what we loved about it is it was just down the street. So we were very familiar with the market. We were very familiar with the tenant base. Uh, We knew what to expect. And that's a huge thing in investing Mm -hmm. is that if you really know your market, uh, then you can really mitigate risk. You can lower your risk of your investment. So that was one of the things that we loved about it. Also, knowing your market adds efficiencies Mm -hmm. because we already had property managers. We already knew contractors. And we already even knew the materials that we would choose in that neighborhood to be able to rehab those properties and property. And so what that does is it just makes every decision more efficient. Things get done faster. And you also have reliable people who you've vetted before. So there's a lot less worry, a lot less um, Um, inefficiencies. If somebody like a contractor runs off with your money, for example, you're not going to have that problem. So there is an efficiency that comes from investing in the same market over time. Yeah. We literally took our team working on the 32 unit and said, okay, now we're going to be working on the 42 unit. So it was, like you said, it was very efficient. You know, some other things uh, that we love, like, first of all, this property came to us off market. uh, And so that's also something that uh, we really like is uh, if you can get something off market, then there's a good chance that you can get a a better deal than you could if you were just buying it retail. And what off-market means, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, is that a lot of deals are listed on the MLS. So they're listed for the general public to see. But there are a lot of deals that never make it to the MLS. And these are traded in the background between agents, um, sometimes not even agents. It's actually just owner to owner. And they never see the light of day. So there's no bidding wars. It's not shown to many, many people. And so off-market deals are really, really valuable. And to get an off-market deal, you really have to make that relationship with your agent so that they want to bring you that deal and they know exactly what you're looking for. And so that's how we've ended up with some of these bigger properties, including the 32 unit was also an off-market deal. So you want to build those relationships to lead to this. 
I think the other thing about this deal is that, you know, our 32 unit, we thought that was a killer deal. And mm-hmm. so when we saw this property and the price, we thought, well, this one feels like it's a little bit overpriced. But when we actually really dug into it, what we realized was that this was a very different than different property than our 32 unit. This had half the units were almost half the units were two bedrooms mm-hmm. compared to one bedrooms, which is our 32 unit had all one bedrooms. And also every single unit had a washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. And when we dug into it and started talking to our property manager, we realized that Units with washer and dryers were renting for at least $100 more than units without washer and dryers. So our 32 unit, they have to go to a laundry room. And, and, and it's a beautiful laundry room. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, especially with COVID, would prefer to have in-unit laundry. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the other reasons where when we looked at the price, we said, okay, actually, when you really look at it, this is a really good value. Uh, so we were really excited to pick it up for the price that we did. I know a lot of people looking at this property might have actually been worried. Okay. So I just want to put that out there too. There, This property does have some issues. There's some upsides that Kenji just mentioned, but there's gang related activity in this property. Uh, there's a lot of deferred maintenance. There are a lot of people who have not been paying. Um, and so we went through a whole sort of evictions during the process of buying it as well. So it's going to, oh, and, and it needs a major rehab. I mean, a major, major rehab of major. every single unit outside sides, insides. And so it, it is a heavy lift, but that is where the money is made. Yeah, for sure. And so when we talk about a heavy lift, right, we're talking about almost a million dollar budget for renovation. So it this is big. And what, but what's beautiful about these bigger properties, uh, and for those of you thinking about getting into bigger properties, one of the benefits is the lending is so much better for mm-hmm. these bigger properties. So I said it was a million dollar rehab, but it's hundred percent finance. Like we're not paying any money out of pocket to fund this rehab, we're literally getting money from the bank to rehab this property. And that is a great thing with the smaller properties. You know, when you get residential financing, you're not getting a rehab loan at the same time, right? It's just, it's not part of a residential loan, but with commercial lending and these bigger properties, a lot of these lenders will fund your construction. So if you're out there looking at a property, when you're talking to your lender, be sure to ask about construction loans. And the other beauty of buying a big property like this and rehabbing it is, you know, with this many units, with 42 units, even increasing the rents, maybe $100 or $200 makes such a difference in the value of the property. So that's called forced depreciation. We're going to force millions of dollars of of value on this property just by making those small shifts, just because of the scale, because there are 42 units. And we've talked about uh, this as being one of the upsides of buying bigger properties back in an earlier podcast. But yeah, this is going to be a big deal for us in a year from now. The other thing I wanted to mention was that this was part of a 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. So earlier in the year, we sold two properties uh, and this was one of our replacement properties that I put on the 45. There's a 45 day limit. You have to identify a property within 45 days of selling your property. And so this, we added this property to the list and fortunately we closed on it. And so it was, but it really went down to the wire. It was the last uh, day. Yeah. Well, it was the last day of the 45 day identification period, but I don't think I told you we got really close to the 180 days. Uh, and if you guys don't know uh, what we're talking about, we'll put a link below about information about 1031 exchanges, but we really came down to the wire on the purchase of this property. Uh, and uh, fortunately everything went through and we were able to take that money from the two properties that we had forced a lot of appreciation on those properties. And we were able to take that money and put it into this property. Uh, so that constituted a lot of our down payment for this property. 
Okay, let's go on to number two. And that was our short-term rental in Dallas. And this is a really cool property because we actually ended up spending some time as we've been digital nomads for several months now. We ended up spending some time in Dallas and I really fell in love with a neighborhood called Bishop Arts District and just could see that it's already had so much growth over the last couple of years, but there, I've really felt like there was more growth to come and just started searching every day. And I, I must've checked out, I, I don't know, at least 500 rent like properties in Dallas over the course of several weeks. I mean, I was looking every day. I looked all around Dallas. I was looking at multifamily. I put in several offers. We put in several offers in Dallas while we were there on different properties, including like a 20 unit, kind of a large multifamily that I was actually going to think about making into a short-term rental boutique hotel. We put in a lot of offers. We didn't get anything. And we ended up flying to Puerto Rico. And while in Puerto Rico, this property bumped you know, popped up. I found it. I immediately uh, messaged the agent who was helping us down there. And he said, yeah, this is a great one. Really unique property. He called, I think there were at least, at least seven other offers at that point. So we put in an offer. We took several days to work with the agents on both sides to help the offer look sweeter and sweeter over time. But we ended up getting this property. And this is a really exciting property, not only because we really like the neighborhood, but also because when we were doing our due diligence, early on, even before we actually had it locked up, we could see that there were properties around it that were making a lot of money as short-term rentals. Yeah. And this property is a four bedroom. It's it's a larger short-term rental and it's also on the luxury end. And so these are, these are very intentional. We actually looked at AirDNA. Uh, we looked at different properties around the LAT mentioned that there are other properties in that neighborhood. So we knew exactly what was going on. We knew what we were targeting uh, and really fit our criteria. And there was also a nice opportunity to force appreciation because there was already a permit for a pool. And we knew that short-term rentals uh, with pools do much better. And there were so few of them, actually, less than a third of the properties had both a hot tub and a pool. And so we knew that there was an opportunity to force appreciation by putting in a pool in the backyard. And when I search in that area on AirDNA, I can see there are a lot of rentals that are $200 a night, $300 a night. This property is you know totally in a different league of that. And then I can see the property that we can compete with when we once we put in the pool is $1,600 a night. So if I can get our property up to that, it's going to cash flow really, really well. Plus it's next to a hospital. So I could con continue maybe potentially having a midterm, using it as a midterm rental and having traveling nurses or doctors in there. Um, plus I really want to explore the idea of having people in insurance programs whose houses are being rehabbed or maybe there's a fire or something and it has to be repaired, actually having them come into this property for a couple months at a time. Yeah. And like you mentioned uh, cash flow, right? And so we did our analysis on this property. Uh, and if you uh, want to download our short Short term rental cash on cash calculator, uh, go to semi-retiredmd.com forward slash STR calculator. Uh, but we, you know, plugged in the numbers. We did all these different types of scenarios with uh, you know, insurance, uh, short-term rental, using it as a short-term rental. In the end, when we did our numbers, what we decided uh was that we wanted to actually treat this as more of like a midterm rental, not a short-term rental. We wanted to kind of target stays greater than seven days. And why that's important is that I'm a real estate professional. We wanted to group this property with all of our long-term rentals. We wanted this to be treated as a long-term rental. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why you know, we, when we did the numbers, we kind of thought about it. You know, We decided we we're going to target those midterm rentals. But I think we'll do, still do a lot of short-term mm -hmm. rentals in the meantime too. So it'll yeah. be a really a combination. podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. 
Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. The next one is a concept that we wanted to introduce to you, which is when do you cash out refinance versus selling? Because at this point in our journey this year, we ran out of money and we still needed to buy more for tax purposes. And so we needed to find some money. And so one of the things we did was we actually did three cash out refinances. So Kenji, can you explain what that means? Yeah. And so, so right. We, we, we purchased a 42 unit, we bought a short-term rental and now, okay. Our third big move was we needed to free up some cash. And so we took three of our properties that we've had for a few years and we had forced a lot of appreciation on these properties. We didn't know exactly how much because you don't know until you actually get the appraisal. Uh, but we went out and, and turned out that we had actually doubled the value of a lot of these properties. And that allowed us to pull out, uh, considerable amount of money from these three properties. Uh, now it did decrease our cash flow on those properties, but actually when you look at the cash on cash return on those properties, the cash on cash return shot up because we have so little money, if if at all, any money at all in those properties Most anymore. Of Most of them, we don't even have money in those properties anymore. So any money that we're making, any cash flow we're making is, is an infinite return because we have no money in that property. Yeah. And I think a lot of people wonder, you know, if I'm doing a cash out refinance, should I have something that has no cash flow in and no cash and cash, basically not making any money for me? Isn't that a risk you're taking on? And that is true. We have now three properties effectively making very little, if anything, in our portfolio. But because we have such a large portfolio, we're okay with that because we know if if there's a big expense, for example, on one of them, that our other properties are going to be able to float that property for some time. Now, if we only had three properties and none of them were making cash flow, I'd be nervous and I would not do that. But in this stage in our portfolio, we're willing to take that on, um, but it's not for everybody. Well, why do we sell these properties? Yeah. So why <laughs> we didn't sell these properties? So I would say there's an art to whether you sell or cash out refi. There's, it's not as much as science. So because there are so many different variables, at least us, we take into account when we're deciding, are we going to cash out refi or sell? Um, and there's no exact formula. So why we decided to cash out refi these properties? So first of all, we 
really like these properties long-term. We believe in the neighborhoods. We believe in the properties themselves. We see them having market appreciation, um, but we just can see ourselves owning them, let's say 10 years from now. And for that reason, we really wanted to keep them in our portfolio. Um, We also, for us personally, we wanted to keep some smaller properties so that we stay fresh in them for all of you guys too, because most of our students do start out with those smaller properties as well. There is efficiency to 1031ing because when you 1031 exchange a property, you get to take all the equity in that property and shift it to making money for you. When you cash out refi, you leave some of your equity potentially in the property. And so you're, well, you are leaving some of your equity in the property because you can only get part of that out with the new loan. And so it's not as efficient for cash on cash return um, and for cash flow. However, you know, there are also costs of 1031ing because you're selling a property and you incur all those real estate agent fees as well. Yeah. And then also there's the deadline, right? You know, you, when you sell a property and put it in 1031 exchange, you have to find that replacement property. And what if you don't, right? And so you might be in a situation where you're faced with paying a lot of capital gains because you couldn't find a property. All we also see people who overpay for that replacement property, right? They, they, they're just so desperate to find something that they end up overpaying and buying something that they normally wouldn't. And so uh, that's actually one of the reasons why we like to first find a replacement property. Mm-hmm. And then we go look at our portfolio. And as Leiti likes to say, like chess pieces and say, okay, which one of these chess pieces, right, can we sell and put into our 1031? Uh, and with these smaller properties, it's actually really easy to sell, at least especially in this market, to sell very quickly and then you can you can actually sell the property before you purchase that property that you had identified already. I would say another thing that we factored into this one is just the work of selling. So the work of you know having three properties for sale, you know, negotiating all those things they do take your time. And for us at this stage, Kenji's time is so so valuable. I want every minute of Kenji's time donated towards finding more properties because that's more important to us than having Kenji sell these little properties and getting every ounce of equity out of them. And so that's really a a personal kind of just stage that we're in in our lives with our real estate portfolio, but that's not going to be the case for everyone, um, certainly either. And then the last thing I think about is market appreciation. If there's been a ton of market appreciation in an area and I think, well, this area is probably not going to not going to appreciate anymore. I really want to take some, you know, take out whatever I can get out of this property right now. Those are sometimes that we decide to sell as well. An example would be a single family home that we more recently sold that would just we knew that at that at this stage, it's it's had so much market appreciation. We just wanted some chips off the table. All right, let's talk about our fourth big real estate move of 2021, and that is. Uh, we purchased uh, part of a 160-unit property. We actually ended up probably buying over a little over 25% of the property. Uh, and so this property is a property in North Las Vegas. It's a 160-unit. And uh, this was a pretty complex transaction that started out with due diligence in June, but we didn't end up closing on this property until December 30th. Uh, and it was down to the wire. It was pretty frantic. Uh, as uh, closes often are, uh, but uh, but we got it done. It was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. So a little bit about this property. This was also an off market, um, and one of our tick partners is an agent, and he negotiated a really great deal with a mom and pop landowner. So a lot of people, you think that you know when you go into the 160 200 unit space, like these people are professionals who are running the properties, but that's not always the case. There are still mom and pop landlords who 
are running their properties poorly. And that is the case here. And what that means is a lot of opportunity for forced appreciation. Now, let's talk about how we structured this. Uh, Leite mentioned that this was a tick, but actually this was a ticks indication. So let me kind of explain what that means. So a tick is a tenants in common, and this is a way to own a property uh, where you co-own it uh, with your partners or your your co-owners. And the beauty of the tick structure is that you can both 1031 into, and one of our tick co-owners actually 1031 into this deal, and you can also 1031 out your share. And so that I think gives you a lot of flexibility uh, and it's and I think it's about it's the most tax efficient because you're able to 1031 in and out. If you just do a regular partnership, you're not able to do that. You actually have to 1031 with your partner into the next deal and you can never divorce. You're literally married with your partner. And that's one of the other reasons why we love the tick. Now, we didn't stop there. We actually layered in some additional complexity uh, by layering in a a syndication as well. So the tick owners brought in about, let's say 60 to 65% of the money, but the rest of the money we raised from some passive investors. Uh, And so that added a whole new work stream to this deal and was probably one of the reasons why it took all the way to the end of the year to get this, because we had to go out, we had to put together a pitch deck, we had to go uh, raise the money, uh, we had to deal with all the paperwork involved in the syndication, uh, work with syndication lawyers, we work with accountants as well. And so that added uh, another layer of complexity, but it all kind of came together beautifully in the end. Uh, And now we have co-owners and we also have a bunch of limited partners who are or going on this journey with us is really exciting. And what I love about it is, again, pushed ourselves to try something new. Mm-hmm. And out of that came all kinds of education that's going into our membership site, Empire Builders, because those are the people that are now going to be able to do this themselves. Because what it allows you to do if you if you are ticking and if you want to do a tick syndication is it allows you to not have any limits on how much money you can spend on a property. You can say, if you're a real estate agent, you know, I can take any size deal. I'll find the partners or I'll raise the money. And that just opens up opportunities pretty significantly. Yeah, I think a lot of people look at their bank account and say, I have 50,000 in the bank account. So that means if I put 25% down, I can go out and buy a $200,000 property. That's it, right? And so now this allows you to buy a $400,000 property or a million dollar property. It's like, you'll figure out the money because you can find other tick co-owners or you can also raise the money. And like the 42 unit, this property needs a lot of rehab. Yeah. It's got a big budget uh, and you were able to secure the loan that covered mm-hmm. a lot of the rehab. So that's great. But I think the real big deal here was the tax sheltering. And that's why we needed to get it done in 2021 and why we pushed so hard to make sure it closed. That's right. Yeah, we remember we did that cash out refi. We took a lot, you know, all that money actually and put it into this property. And so if you think about what we did was that we took that money out of that property, that lazy equity out of our three properties, and we put it into this property. So that's working really hard for us and growing our wealth. We are on to our last big move. And this isn't a property that we bought. It's not a property that we sold, but it's actually a huge decision we made in our lives directly related to real estate. We decided to move to Puerto Rico in 2022. And how this came up was I woke up in the middle of the night and I said, Kenji, 
we have to move to Puerto Rico. And it all came about because we were actually visiting our dear friend, Sunny Smith, who runs Empowering Women Physicians. We were in Puerto Rico for several weeks and just started to wrap our minds around what an amazing community and what an amazing opportunity it would be for us to move there. So Kenji, let's talk about taxes first. Yeah. So what does this uh, move do for us? Well, if you don't know, uh, Puerto Rico is, has a very tax advantage situation. If you move there, and there are a lot of rules around this, you literally have to move there physically, spend time there, and there's a minimum threshold. If you do that, then you can lower your federal income tax to 4% which for us is actually more than we've been paying. It's yeah. I mean, we're actually probably one of the only people moving to Puerto Rico to pay more taxes. Yeah. But, but what it allows us to do, because the way we've been not paying taxes, we've been buying real estate, right? We talked about how in the beginning of the year, we said, this is a big year because we went out and bought all these properties in order to shelter our income. Well, now we don't have to do that, right? We don't have to go out and buy properties to shelter our income because our income is already sheltered. We're only paying 4%. Uh, and this move allows us to really shift our focus on other things. Now, with that said, we are going to continue to buy properties. And that's the other part of this strategy that is really beautiful. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I want to talk about that. But first, I want to say that we did a Tony Robbins event back in December. And one of the things he asked us to do was write down your most stressful reoccurring thought. And Kenji's was like, how do I buy more real estate to shelter taxes for late day, right? Because I constantly I was like, hey, Kenji, where are you in buying more real estate? So <laughs> this was really also about just making sure that we, we balance that and we didn't have to be on that constant treadmill. So I love real estate professional status because it allowed us now for seven years of our lives to really shelter our income tax us and not, you know, have to pay income taxes by buying more real estate. But it also has man meant we're on this treadmill. And I think a lot of you guys who are out there who are buying real estate right now and using all these tax benefits, once you get big enough, you might be in this status status too. And so I really wanted to share this so that you can start to see the future of where you might be in like five years and think about, you know, how this could apply to you as well. So what our plan is, is you know, we will be paying 4% tax on the income that comes in through Puerto Rico, but all the real estate income is actually based in the US. And so our real estate portfolio will continue to probably, even if we didn't purchase much, we would probably pay minimum taxes on it. Uh, we have used up a lot of bonus depreciation. So because of that, we would probably pay some in taxes. But what we want to do is continue to buy properties, just not at the rate we have done it previously, because we're going to continue to build up that bonus depreciation, take it and create active losses that we don't even need, but continue to carry forward. So I want you to imagine this scenario. Let's say we live in Puerto Rico for five years. We continue to buy properties in the US. We continue to build up active losses. In five years, we decide we're going to move back to the US. At that point, we should have millions of dollars of active losses saved up. And that's now going to shelter income that we bring in while we're living in the United States. Yeah. And so what that's going to require is I'm going to continue to be a real estate professional. That's not going to change. It's just the only thing that changes is that we don't have to go out and buy these properties to keep up with the income. Uh, and so for those of you who don't know what, what I'm talking about with Real Estate Professional, we have a really great guide. Uh, it's completely free uh, that you can download. It's And you can get that at semiretiredmd.com forward slash reps guide, R-E-P-S guide. Uh, and you can get that download, learn more about it because it really is an amazing way to grow your wealth. You know, if you're not paying taxes, you're not paying Uncle Sam uh, that money, 
uh, from your income, then uh, you can grow your wealth that much quicker. And I definitely want to speak to those who are out there who are saying, what do you mean you've been paying no taxes? Like that doesn't seem fair. I will say that we've actually done the analysis. We pay a lot more in taxes right now in terms of property taxes and all the people's salaries that we fund who then pay taxes than we ever did when even as both as full-time doctors. So what we're specifically talking about is federal income taxes here. We're not talking about taxes as a whole um, because we're paying way more in taxes and we will continue to do so. One other thing that I love about this move, and by the way, we will have a separate episode about our move to Puerto Rico. Uh, But one of the other things that I love about this is that it really allows us to take that money, which we had been putting into real estate and put it into some other bucket sign. So Tony Robbins, uh, if you go to his financial program, or if you go to Business Mastery, he talks about that you want to have different buckets. You want to have a security bucket, and you want to have a growth bucket, and then you want to have a dream bucket. And so we've been putting a lot of our money in our growth bucket, which is growing our wealth with real estate, but we haven't been putting as much money into our security bucket or also our dream bucket. And so our security bucket is is the money for a rainy day, money uh, that's set aside in, in safe investments, maybe money put into different bank accounts all around the world because you know relying on just having your money tied up in one banking system is not diversifying, right? There are other ways to diversify. And so, and then our dream bucket, right? These are the things that really, really kind of like take your experience and your life to that next level, right? We're talking about things like traveling by private jet, first class, right? Staying in, you know, five-star hotels, right? These are, this is the dream bucket. And so kind of having more of those experiences for us and our family, uh, that's what we want to make sure that we have money set aside for. So those are our top five real estate moves in 2021. We hope that gave you some ideas that you maybe want to implement for yourself and also a vision of where you're going because are the people that listen to this podcast who read Semi-Retired MD, you are amazing people who can accomplish anything. And we truly believe that. And a lot of you are already in, in only a couple of years made so much more progress than we ever did in those first few years. So I know a lot of you are going to be in this situation where you're thinking to yourself, you know, what kind of big changes do I want to make in my life? Do I want to go bigger and get bigger properties? Do I want to move and do geographic arbitrage? There are all kinds of great questions out there. So uh, hopefully this gave you some ideas that you might want to implement in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Doctors Building Wealth and also give us a five-star review and please share our podcast since we're starting anew with all of your friends so we can start to kind of build up that history that we we lost in making the shift. We appreciate all of you. Check us out on semiretiredmd.com and we will see you in the next episode. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.